0: welcome, welcome to The Encourage Project. I'm Amy Fairchild, and this episode has gotten off to a very interesting start. I sat down a little while ago to get recorded and get back into the groove, and I recorded the beginning probably five or six times, and I just didn't feel centered. I didn't feel confident. I didn't feel myself. And I had the strangest realization. I was in my PJs. (laughs) And I thought, holy smokes, it is true that how you dress and how you show up can affect how you feel. So I put everything on hold, put on some clothes, and I'm back in the chair. And it's an entirely different feeling. So here we are. Welcome to the Encourage Project. If this is your first time joining, I'm so happy you're here. I'm so happy you've become part of the community and I look forward to hearing from you directly. And also, if this is your first time, if you enjoy what you hear today, if you connect with what you hear today, share this with others. We want to build a huge community of support and action and goodness And we're always welcoming more into the community and also rate the episode, you know, give us a review of some kind. Hopefully it's a five-star review and hopefully you'll take some time to leave some comments because we can't make things better if we don't know what you want to hear and don't know what could be better. And also it's great to hear if you enjoyed something, we'll do more of the good stuff. So welcome. As I got ready to prepare today's episode, I spent a lot of time in reflection. The last three weeks for me have been really, really challenging. In fact, all of my habits have been completely thrown off. Everything in my life has been reprioritized. And it, and it feels to me like, well, it doesn't feel it. it. The fact is every single part of my life has had a major disruption in the last three weeks. My mother unfortunately lost her partner uh, three weeks ago. So making her a priority and helping her settle his estate and, and do those kinds of things has actually been my number one priority for the last few weeks. I also took on a new a new project. I start here in an, in a week or so, I'm gonna do a six month contract with a really fascinating company out in California so preparing for that. And then on top of that, this person that I have extraordinary feeling for um, decided that he didn't want to be a part of my life in in the same way. And so um, all the pieces of my life have been thrown in the air. And as I was getting back to my habits this morning, for those of you who don't know, and maybe I've never shared this, I really believe in journaling and spending some time in quiet and doing a few things every morning to set my intention and set my focus for the day. And I learned those habits from a great book uh, by Hal Elrod called The Miracle Morning. And I'll I'll make a note of that in the show notes. But I had developed these really great habits. I'd sit down in the morning and journal and, and do some things. And so my morning normally looks like. I get up super early, uh, I make a little coffee or tea or hot water with lemon or something, and I sit down at what I I call my perch, (laughs) which is a a bar stool in the corner of my kitchen on in the counter or near the counter, and I do several things. I spend some quiet time in reflection. I write in my gratitude journal. So I have a, a specific journal for gratitude where every day I write down at least five things for which I'm grateful. And then I also write in a five-year journal, some, you know, thoughts about what's going on in life or just kind of chronicling my, my journey. And that's been really interesting, by the way, if you've never used a five-year journal, it's really interesting to look at what I was doing exactly a year ago and kind of comparing and contrasting and that kind of thing. So I get quiet and I spend some time in reflection and I journal and that set of habits or that routine, or what's the word I'm looking for? Oh, it escapes me at the moment. Ritual, that's what it, my morning <laughs> ritual has, has really become part of me. Oh, I also journal in my food journal. I write down my intention around food and, and drink and that kind of thing. So there's three journals that I have. I know it sounds like a lot, but it's not. Anyway, I'd gotten out of the habit of of that ritual. And this morning for the first time in probably three and a half weeks, I took some conscious time to sit down and really get centered and it's interesting how things get completely off kilter when something extraordinary happens in our lives and things like death and things like heartbreak and things like new opportunity even though it's a good thing they're all big things and they all have the potential to completely disrupt what we think we should be doing, what we think we ought to be doing, the things that we could be doing. And what I realized this morning is that for me, it's very easy to beat myself up over my my food habits falling to the wayside over the last 3 weeks or my my morning ritual falling to the wayside. Or some of the habits that I really hold dear falling, falling to the wayside. It's very easy for me to fall into the trap of, oh my gosh, Amy, <laughs> you're such a schmo. You know, how did you let that happen? How did you gain six pounds? And how, what why is that going on? And, and to beat myself up. And this morning, it was different And I attribute it being different to having spent a lot of time and energy into really building strong habits and strong sense of self-worth compared to what it used to be. And what I mean by that is I sat down and thought about all the disruption of the last three weeks and all the things that I didn't do that I should have, and I'm putting that in air quotes, things like I intended to do three episodes in the last three weeks and I did one. I intended to do actually four or five more social posts than I actually cranked out. I intended to lose a little bit of weight. I intended to do an additional request to a company to do some work for them. All these things. And frankly, what I learned is that while there are things that my brain says I should have done, the things that I actually did are the things that my body really needed to do. For example, prioritizing my mother and her needs above everything else for the last three weeks feels good in my soul. It's, it's, it, it is what I wanted to do. It also brought me to a place of practicing some things or becoming aware of practicing some things that oftentimes I forget about when life is kind of on autopilot. For example, the practice of gratitude. While I didn't actually write very much in the last three weeks, I know and I reflected upon how grateful every single day I was to be able to have the time and the resources to invest in my mom and supporting her and her partner's family through this really difficult time. Gratitude for having a car that could take me two hours to the hospital Several days in a row, back and forth, taking my mom and and her partner's daughter to the hospital and those kinds of things. Gratitude for having resources in the the way of friends who sent me beautiful flowers and words of encouragement throughout this whole process. Gratitude was something that got me through the last few weeks. Spending time in quiet. Even at the hospital when things were super crazy, taking a few minutes to walk away from all that and sit in a quiet space and get centered and and build up my energy to be able to support folks and and do the things that needed to be done. I'm really grateful and aware of that. And I think the other thing that I became really aware of over the last few weeks was what I would call conscious appreciation, taking explicit time and energy and effort and letting people know that I appreciate the things that they were doing to support us. Even though I went through kind of a, a heartbreak in addition to all the things going on, letting that person know I appreciate your candor, I appreciate you being honest, and I appreciate you thinking enough of me to, to be those things. Having awareness was something I was very grateful for this morning. I think the other thing I was grateful for as I was writing this morning was having enough awareness and experience and consciousness to give myself and other people grace during this really challenging time understanding and showing up from a space that says, I get that this is hard and everyone handles hard in different ways and making the conscious choice to assume positive intent from people rather than assuming, Hey, these people are being assholes. (laughs) It's very easy when things are hard to assume that everybody's an asshole. And that's just not the case. People handle things differently and people show up differently and they do the best they can with what they have. And I choose to believe that in interacting with people and further giving myself grace. Like I said, it's so easy for me to beat myself up over all the things I should have done or could have done even better or what have you over the last few weeks. But allowing myself the grace to say, hey, you know, I made a conscious choice to prioritize some things differently than I might normally have prioritized them. Did I completely blow up my human project of the encourage project? Nope. Did it take a little bit of a detour and slow down a wee bit? Sure. And it's okay. It is okay. In sharing all of this with you, I'm not even going to lie and tell you that it was easy. It wasn't easy. It was not easy at all. In fact, I think I've experienced the broadest spectrum of emotion over the last few weeks than I've experienced in a really, (laughs) really long time. You know, I've experienced frustration. I've experienced anger. And I don't experience that often, but I've experienced some recently. I've certainly experienced overwhelm. My poor mom. (laughs) One night, I'm just like, mom, I can't do it. I need some time and just give me a little time and I'll come back better than ever. Uh, I've experienced overwhelm. I've experienced loneliness. You know, when you go through difficult things, or at least when I go through difficult things, it can feel very lonely because I tend to pile on myself. I tend to, to take on more than I than I likely should. I tend not to rely on the people who really care about me when they offer those branches of support. And that's my own doing. That's my own doing. And it can feel very lonely. But I'm also aware and grateful for there are moments in the last few weeks where I really let people show up for me. You know, a friend and I were talking one evening and I, I think we were talking about beer. Not, <laughs> we were either talking about beer or we were talking about uh, roasting marshmallows and how I really like them crispy and brown and gooey. And I give them time to get that way. Anyway, whatever we were talking about, it was something completely innocuous. I just started crying. The tears kind of leaked out a little bit, and then it was a full-on ugly cry. He knew why, because I said, you know, this has been building up for these last weeks, and I'm sure it's going to happen at some point. And it did, talking about beers and marshmallows, I think. And he was just there, and that's all I needed. But the cry was good, and it released the energy and allowed me to focus again and, and move on. I want to encourage you. Life is never perfect, it's never going to be, and I wouldn't want it to be. What it can be, however, is a progression and growth. Each experience gives us more tools and more breadth and more compassion and more insight to handle the next thing that much more gracefully. I know it can feel ugly, and particularly with everything going on in the world these days, right? That's just another dynamic (laughs) that none of us asked for. It can make things that much more difficult. And I want to encourage you today, if you are in that place where it feels like every single part of your life has blown up in some way, I get it. I do get it. And there are people who have experienced similar things, and that is not to diminish how you feel. The exact opposite. It is meant to say to you that there are people likely who understand if you give them the opportunity to do so. You know, I have found when I give people the opportunity to support me and love on me, they show up in really, really big ways. And I'm so grateful for that. Being a part of the Encourage Project community is something that can help help with that as well. I've gotten some really lovely notes in the last few days about people who have shared with me that that they see me as an expander for them. Holy smokes, what an incredible compliment that is. It just gives me that much more fuel and encouragement, frankly, for for myself to keep doing what I'm doing and keep doing what we're sharing in the community. I wanted to share with you today that no matter where you are in your project, no matter how you're feeling about it, no matter that it feels like it could be blowing up all over the place, it's okay. And give yourself grace. Spend a few moments doing what makes you feel centered, whether that's sitting in quiet or whether it's going for a walk or whether it's getting together with friends or playing an instrument, whatever it is that makes you feel centered and more yourself, invest time in that today. And then once you get centered, take a step back and say, okay, now I'm a little more centered. What's the next forward move? So there you go. Now we're gonna talk a little bit about what do we do with a vision? You know, we've spent quite a bit of time talking about how to create vision for our human projects. And we've talked with some great folks. Oh my gosh, if you haven't listened to the interviews with Dana and Shayna from DeLuna and Kenny Lamb, I was just blown away. What great folks to share wonderful insights with us. So we've talked a lot about vision. And I mentioned in a post a couple of days ago that what we now are gonna start talking about is how do you take the vision that you have for your human project and decompose it into the things that you need to be aware of to move that project forward. In the project's simplest form, every project can be broken down into three primary or main categories of activity. I refer to them as the PAR, is your project on PAR, and that is planning, it's action, and reflection. Plan, act, reflect. That's the simplest way to look at any human project. So what does that mean? Well, well, planning is making an assessment of the skills or knowledge required, the resources required, the time required to achieve the human project. Acting is acting, (laughs) taking some action, doing some shit to get your stuff done. It's that simple and there's more to it than that. And then finally is reflecting. It's making conscious effort to review what you've done and also making adjustments. Now I will say one note about reflection today. Reflection is not a license to beat yourself up. Reflection is conscious curiosity about here's what I planned, here's what I did, did I get the result I expected? If not, what do I need to do differently? Reflection is not licensed to beat yourself up. There you go. So I wanna dive into planning today a little more in depth. Planning is, it's that weird space between, okay, I've got a vision and I'm super excited about it, but I'm not quite ready to take action And so there's this weird space that sits between action and vision that's called planning. It's a place that can be a little scary because it's the great unknown. It's the, okay, so now I have this great big idea. What do I do with it? Planning says, what actions might I take in the future? What resources and knowledge do I need? And where do I find them? So planning is that place where you say, perhaps, hey, I've never done this before. Who has and who can I go look at? So um, today I'm going to use the example of when I decided to become a stand-up comedian several years ago. Wanted to be a stand-up. Who knows where that idea came from? <laughs> I thought it would be fun, so I decided I wanted to do it. And I didn't know any stand-up comedians. I certainly didn't grow up, if you will, in theater. I, I wasn't in drama club. None of those things. I had no legitimate experience whatsoever. I wanted to pursue it. So for me, I decided that I wasn't quite ready to just go to an open mic night and try to pretend like I was funny. I wanted to learn some craft around comedy. So I did some research and I learned about this genre of comedy called improv. And many of you, I'm sure are very familiar with improv comedy. It's a beautiful, fun art form. I was living in Denver at the time. And so I found a theater, the Bovine Metropolis. Shout out to Eric and Denise, as always. And I enrolled in improv classes. So I learned improv. That was the beginning planning of becoming a stand up comedian. It was, I wanted to learn some more about the craft of comedy. And I wanted to learn in an environment where I wasn't yet on my own. And so improv made a lot of sense. It's a team based kind of art form, and uh, there are a lot of things that you learn as a byproduct of participating in improv, and it just, it was a lot of fun, frankly. In the planning process to becoming a stand-up comedian, I learned about what are the things that I might want to learn to be a comedian, and improv was one of those, and also, I outlined, well, who are the people that I really like who are doing that today? You know, I keep referring to those as expanders, that's a Lacey Phillips term, to be magnetic.com, so I went and i've I found comedians that I loved Jeannie Robertson, Henry Cho, and I studied what they did and what it was that i that I loved about their comedy i I'm a fan of clean comedy I'm a fan of storytelling. Kelly Swanson is a phenomenal storyteller. The first thing I did was who are the examples that are doing what I want to do and I went and found some. The second thing I did was I went. And learned about, well, what kind of skills would I need? What knowledge would I need? And that, that's what led me to the bovine. So I learned about the skills and knowledge I might need to be a comedian. And then also I invested time in thinking about, well, in everything that I have going on, how much time and energy am I willing to commit to learning this craft of comedy? And, and oftentimes we don't really think about that. We think about, This thing sounds really cool and I'm going to do it in every single waking free moment that I have. And for most of us, that's not reasonable. And so as we think about planning, what's a time commitment that we can feel good about? And also is not so much that if we don't achieve it, we're beating ourselves up. I know some of you've done this. (laughs) You have plans to do something and you don't spend quite as much time on it as you thought you might. And then you're beating yourself up thinking you're a failure because you didn't invest time in the thing you thought you wanted to invest in. I've done it. It's ridiculous, but we do it. In planning, spend some conscious brain activity around how much time are you willing to invest in the pursuit of your human project. And it doesn't have to be a massive commitment. It can be a few minutes a day. It can be an hour a week, whatever it is. But whatever feels good to you that helps you move forward and feel like you have momentum is an appropriate time to invest in your human project. We wanna think about skills and resources. We wanna think about knowledge and time. And the other thing we want to think about in planning is risk. And people are, like, oh, risk. Risk is not a bad thing. Risk is a tool that helps us stay on track. And what I mean by taking a risk assessment is what happens if I do this? What happens if I don't do it? What happens if I don't have enough money? What happens if I like it and it really takes off? It's just going through a process of asking some questions about what could happen as you pursue this so that you're a little more prepared as things come up. Now do you have to do this kind of what if analysis when you start a project? No, you don't. I have just found that most people feel more comfortable if they spend a little time doing that so that when things come up they know how to react or they know how to adjust. Planning involves looking at who's doing it and and is there someone I might want to emulate? What skills and knowledge do I need in order to achieve this project? What resources do I need? Do I need a teacher? Do I need a mentor? Do I need money? Do I need time? And and how much time do I need? And playing a little bit of the what if. What if it goes well? And what if something goes wrong and how will I handle it? Now, there's always a challenge in the planning phase for people. (laughs) And that is experiencing analysis paralysis. It is absolutely possible to spend way huge amounts of time planning such that a person can talk themselves out of doing a project. It happens all the time. And I want to encourage you to dodge the analysis paralysis by simply doing what makes sense to get you to the next step. And what I mean by that is you don't necessarily have to know every single step of how to complete your project in order to get moving. For example, when I decided I wanted to be a comedian, all I knew was I wanted to be a comedian. I had some people that I was, that I followed and I was really interested in and intrigued by and who I wanted to emulate. I knew that a path, not the path, but a path to get there was to pursue improv and I signed up for a class. That's it. That's all I knew. Who knew? I knew that I ran the risk of making a fool of myself. (laughs) I also knew I ran the risk of having a whole lot of fun. I didn't have all the answers in order to start my action plan. And that's my point. Do not become paralyzed. Get enough information that you feel confident to take the initial step. So today, what actions can you take to move your human project forward? You've got your vision. You have that that future state picture as clear as you can at the moment. Maybe your action is you want to go find expanders. Maybe your action is you want to watch a video or listen to a podcast or go to a seminar to get more information about your future project. What action can you take to begin the planning process? And then what reflections do you have? What curiosity can you explore around the things that you've done so far that might help you move your project forward you have experiences and you have lessons learned and you have insights and you have courage that you didn't have before that I promise you will help you in the in the human project that you're undertaking take some time in reflection and see what you've already got that can help you move that forward and then lastly share some ahas oh no's and yippies kind of like I did at the beginning of this episode. You know, my ahas were many over the last few weeks and I really would like to celebrate the fact that I have awareness and I'm back to center, at least as centered as I can be today and I'm moving that forward and that's something to celebrate. It's not perfect, but it sure is an opportunity to learn and grow and I'm so grateful for that. Share those things with the community send me an email at hello at the Follow us on Instagram, follow us on Facebook, leave comments. I love seeing what everyone is up to. In fact, I got a really great email this week from someone who shared with me her own plans to do something very similar to what I'm doing, helping people with projects and helping them see their greatness through that achievement. And that's, I think that's phenomenal. So thank you for sharing. I love hearing that and that's it for this edition. I hope you have a fabulous day. I look forward to hearing about your projects. Be safe. Be well. Take care.